Hi everyone, I'm Ravi Bhusan, founder and CEO of Bright Champs. एक मिनट रुक जाओ, ready होने दो। चलो, ये कर लेते हैं। This could be a great intro. Hi, I'm Akshay. Hi, this is Saurabh, and you are listening to the Founder Thesis podcast. We meet some of the most celebrated startup founders in the country, and we want to learn how to build a unicorn. This episode is the story of what happens when passion combines with skills and will. This episode is the story of Bright Champs. Bright Champs is an edtech startup that is exceptional in every way. They reached a valuation of $500 million within 16 months of starting. And in the current funding winter, when every edtech company is laying off people, they continue to hire and acquire and grow. Ravi Bhushan, the founder of Bright Champs, is an IITian who spent a decade and a half in various startups building their technology and product. He built Bright Champs with a very first principles view of solving for educational outcomes for children and equipping them with 21st century skills. Here's Ravi talking about the journey of building up one of India's fastest growing edtechs. My it's a very fascinating journey actually. I was a hardcore techie. as you can sense that i was participating in so many hackathons so many software programming contests and things like that so i was a hardcore techie but then i realized that if you are if you are building something interesting then it is also important that people see it there is no point creating a beautiful painting and keeping that in a dark room so it is important that the platform scales users use your solution but then i just loved the journey it was very organic and very not very planned but it all happened because i just found that in every change of role was bringing me closer to the user or the customer and, uh, and uh, it uh, that was mo- much more f- fulfilling for me so then what made you move on from housing till i think middle of 2019 you were with like housing prop tiger makan then yeah so akshay as i told you i was the journey was good over there and i know i was taking care of a relevant portfolio which is product design technology organic growth pnl of makan and all those things but then somehow this you can say that this entrepreneurial bug had bitten me and i wanted to do something on my own but then i was not in a hurry i was just thinking that what would be the relevant thing to do so the itch of doing something on my own and do, doing something relevant and long with a long term approach once it crossed the threshold i suggested the board to relieve me and then i took some time on my own deliberating around various ideas the good thing about uh, about that period is that whenever i deliberated about any idea i researched or i worked on that at the end of it it was it was becoming more, more and more clear to me that the pull for yes, there was a strong pull for the education uh, field i i don't want to claim that i was because i was a misfit for the conventional education since childhood and things like that i was just trying to become a tech founder that's not the case but somehow because i had exposure to various uh, other girls uh, in the industry a uh, lot of senior folks working in various other startups were close friends so i was deliberating many ideas but then ultimately it was very becoming very clear that after discussing deliberating ultimately i'm coming back to education field and when it happened three four times i realized that i should do something in in the education vertical only rather than doing something in anything else because if you have a intrinsic strong attachment with certain thing then you can you can enter into that field with a long term perspective otherwise it will be a short lived thing so i was just looking forward to a founder vertical fit in a stronger way 
and when that calling happened three four times in that period of six seven months then i decided that i'll do an edtech startup and i started bright gems in july of 2020 and and that is how it happened yeah how did you finalize on the edtech is such a vast space you have right from kindergarten all the way till further education for people who are already in careers so how did you finalize what exactly you want to do and tell me about that the thought behind finalization of idea and what you wanted to do yeah the reason of bright gems existence is very simple and it's all about the world is changing very fast right and the curriculum which we are teaching to kids to millions of kids across the globe unfortunately is not changing with the same pace and hence there is a gap right the gap which i'm talking about akshay is only increasing with time right bright gems is all about filling that gap and becoming a global platform which is synonym to high quality education around all these important life skills required to have a superlative outcome in life right the real, the realization of the problem if you are asking me that where did you get a sense that is it's a very interesting and important problem so the realization of the problem is very deep i'll give you two three reasons one i find myself as i told you i find myself a misfit to the conventional education system so that's one second is during my professional journey i encountered a lot of people in society who are serious about their profession people like lawyers interior designers doctors chartered accountants etc who came to me and ended up saying that ravi if i would have had the knowledge of technology i would have also done better in my life and this clearly indicated that they feel that expo- if they would have gotten an exposure around technology during their educational days they would have also landed into a much better outcome right? but nobody cared about providing a technology exposure to them it's not that they are not serious about their profession it's just that they didn't get the chance but fortunately unfortunately we are living in a world which is led by technology and not providing te- technology education is such a, creates such a big gap so what i'm trying to tell you is that we are living in a capitalistic society and money matters it's a pivotal thing around so many things but nobody gives a damn about providing financial literacy to kids and we grow up academically very smart financially almost illiterate right so these are very important life skills which are required to have a superior outcome in life but unfortunately the conventional education system does not care about it and the bright gems idea is all about can we become a global platform filling this particular gap which is about providing high quality education around this important life skills which ideally should have been part of the curriculum but unfortunately it is not right so the whole idea is there is no complication there it's a very simple thought right i just think that the as i said earlier that the world is changing very fast and there is a big gap right if we can do our own bit of service in terms of filling that particular gap as much as we can i think the purpose of the bright gems is fulfilled right so that's that was the genesis what was the age group you wanted to do this for i think uh, uh, the most productive age for learning is as early as possible so if you ask me if i want to learn let's say language let's say i want to learn french and my son wants to learn french and both of us start as a start at the same time i bet you that my son will learn faster than me so what i am trying to say is that certain things which are very fundamental in nature should be the foundation for that should be given as early as possible and that is why we focused on the k12 segment and the focus was very clear that it will be k12 and it will be global focus it will not be like one country or this country or that country 
So we started with the, like overseas operation on day one. And we started with the technology foundation course for kids. But gradually now, as of now, we have expanded into multiple other important life skills. Now we have launched financial literacy, which is again very important life skill for superior outcome in today's time. And then we have launched robotics and we are launching communication and all the things which basically aligns with the theme of our vision of Bright Champs, we are doing one by one. So the first product you launched was technology literacy in a way. And was it like where you had like a tutoring, a small group tutoring format? Was that the approach or was it a more self-learning approach through product or what did you launch? Yeah. So we launched, uh, so what we realized that in a platform like Coursera and many other platforms which are like self-learning platform, wherein you pay for the content, the completion rate is close to 5 to 6%, right? That means even after paying significant dollars, 95% of the people who have taken a call themselves to pay for such things, they don't end up completing it. So basically at this age, at this stage, children need some hand-holding. So we started with one is to one format. We wanted to give a holistic exposure around technology. So our courses had many things like coding was just one part of it. I feel that it's not about making, making, giving a mastery of one particular skill in technology. It was, it is more about the attempt was more about providing a good exposure around various aspects of technology and let them decide that what do they want to pursue down the line. So it was like design thinking, technology, coding, security, internet. So various important aspects of the technology world were provided as an exposure as part of that particular course. So it was not just a coding course, I will say. So you're a product guy. Tell me about the how you productified human service. At its core, it's a human service, right? Where there is one teacher who's teaching a child but then you must have productified it to make it scalable how did you do that yeah i think that was the format which we started which we with which we launched in the market but then gradually we ended up building a lot of experiences which are like product-led or omelet experiences and we are continue we are continuing to build it our product roadmap if you really want to know what is there as part of the product roadmap, what exactly we have built as part of the product. I think one part of the product roadmap in Bright Gems is all about adding these new life skills in a gamified way for the kids. So we started with technology, then we added financial literacy. And so adding these life skills and building platform for them. So that's one. Second is launching experiences which are related to a specific pain point for our customers or users. For example, we realized during our journey that parents and children really want global exposure and international exposure for their children because schools by design are a very local phenomena, right? So they can only, even if your child is learning in a New York school, you can only get kids from New York to interact with. But because we are a global company and we are present in more than a dozen countries, we realized that we can do a very good service in terms of providing international exposure. We created a product called Global House, wherein children from different countries come together and work together and learn each other culture and they work on a common project. So such kind of, so what we started doing is that we created a lot of product and platforms which basically catered to different aspirations or pain points of the users or the customer. This is just one example, right? And the third lens of building the product was how do we create a more efficient economic engine wherein you know the different aspects of the funnels are efficiently taken care of and they can scale better right like we 
how do we acquire customers at a more efficient cost how do we convert how do we have a better experience in the classroom using technology right so all those things i'd love to hear in a like a as a story format that this is what we launched with and then we discovered this and then we added this on and then we added this and so like that if you can take me through that journey from launch to now of the product like the product journey basically sure yeah so as i told you that we started with a global mindset and then we started with middle east right hmm. on day 1 and okay. and we started with this technology course hmm. the good hmm. thing was that uh, when we and this was it, happening how like you were using zoom at that time or what was version 1 of your product version 1 was simple zoom yeah hmm. Hmm. yeah okay so and, so and version 1 was just like the product was lead gen basically uh, like a landing page where you so, can so we, we built a curriculum we internally used to call first class citizen of the technology world we named it techigen and uh, which was providing which was about providing exposure around all these important technological aspects and uh, so building the building the curriculum and building a gamified platform through which children should be able to explore various aspects of mathematical concepts using coding uh, was uh, we internally used to call it kodai math these are the two things we, we started we launched in the market and the classrooms were happening on zoom right but then we were focusing a lot on uh, a lot in terms of uh, how do you ensure that children are le- learning in each and every session which they are attending so it was more about learning outcome rather than deciding about which platform are you teaching on your own video streaming platform or zoom or google meet i think we did a in terms of decision making we did a good job there while we focused on customer more rather than more uh, sexier product i would say and that helped us save a lot of bandwidth which we ended up spending in terms of building a better content or better learning outcome so we started with middle east when we launched our pleasant surprise we got a very good lot of response from market fortunately unfortunately when we started many of the players were already teaching coding in the market people came to me saying that this yours will be like 20th startup how are you going to survive you will not get the funding and things like that and i knew that i am a strong believer that if so many people are trying in one thing that means there is a stronger product market fit signal and if amongst there are three type of risks as per me in a startup which is one is product market fit risk the second is capital raise risk and third is execution risk if i have to own some risk as per my choice then i will own the execution risk so then i thought that rather than working on something random here i am getting a signal wherein people are looking forward to such things it's just that some of the other players are focusing more on acquisition rather than delivery so if we come become a company which focuses more on better delivery and better learning outcome i think we will be able to create a better flywheel effect in the market and in the long run we will come out as a winner so we have started with that approach and rather than doing very aggressive acquisition strategy we focused a lot on delivery aspects and that ultimately helped people started rewarding people actually wanted such kind of service right a lot of parent like you and me they really did not want their children to go through the same pain of not getting exposed not being exposed to technology and hence having an inferior outcome in life so they rewarded us what was your customer acquisition strategy when you launched was it like performance marketing or like how did you get leads so we started with performance marketing but we started doing up with the schools we used a lot of micro influencers 
educationist in the society so we actually tried three like we used to experiment very fast right? i will say that the day one was performance marketing but gradually we relied upon many other other channels of acquisition also given that we got a fantastic response we launched into other countries in the mina region and then we realized that why don't we enter into another big region and then we launched to southeast asia there also it was like very fantastic response we would, initially we were skeptical that what will be the purchase power of countries like indonesia and many other countries over there but then we realized that you no know, the need is very strong over there as well and people are very much willing to have such a thing and then we got a very similar response like middle east and then we after a certain time we realized that a significant portion of many countries are locked because of the language barrier so we started building the supply of teachers and all those things into local languages so now we have hundreds of teachers sitting out of indonesia hundreds of teachers sitting out of various other countries in southeast asia i know teaching in local languages to different countries so that was another interesting challenge and problem and we built the platform and experience around local languages also so it all it all was like i will say that we had a dream run when we launched in less than 10 months we crossed like 10 million arr and we did not use a single external external source of funding it was all basis uh, the funding from only one source which is customer funding so it was pretty organic and and i literally said that that is the best way of scaling up in the startup and and the funding and everything when people saw the number and when people realized the execution capability and everything people rewarded us with the we also got external source of funding and and i'm proud and blessed to be in a situation that we got the partners as per our choice as far as the funding part is concerned right? so all those things happened down the line but the most important part is that we are growing very fast and all the growth was happening basis the customer funding which was the only source of income for the company and while other companies in the in in the territory they are well funded and they were burning a lot of cash and all those things were happening but then i realized that if you focus on the real outcome a real pain points of the customer there can be a flywheel effect which can ultimately help you and i think that is what helped us overall in the overall growth of the company so this 63 million dollar round where you were valued at 500 million this was like your very first external fundraise yeah so we got our seed round and just after like few months we got the second round so the announcement happened in a club way so first round was 12 million dollar and then second one was 51 but uh, yeah things were moving very fast and even right now i see a huge potential in the market and uh, we are only doing technology education for kids now we are doing financial literacy we acquired a company wherein i found the founders to be very driven for financial literacy and they are now they are seeing their passion and commitment for this particular vertical we joined hands together and what i see is that in just 3 4 months time they have grown by more than 10x right that is the level of growth we are witnessing in that particular segment we have gotten another gentleman who is very passionate about robotics vertical and we are launching robotics which is another important life skill in today's time so i feel that we were fortunate to pick the right market right team and and we were able to accelerate our execution and uh, that is why we landed into what we are but we have just scratched the tip of the iceberg and there is a mm-hmm. lot which mm-hmm. can be done so i want to understand how you built great execution which essentially means great learning outcomes because that is the flywheel right like you have mastered learning outcomes and hence your you don't need to burn to acquire customers because there is word of mouth happening so learning outcomes would probably mean your 
teachers would be a pivotal part of it like what kind of teachers you hire how you train them uh, what kind of product do you build for a teacher to teach so that it is easy for her and how do you monitor what's going on in the classroom how do you assess students learning uh, tell me about all of that yeah so akshay there is a lot of hard work which goes in it's very easy to say that we build just a product with a great learning outcome i i think you need to be fanatically obsessed about the customer part right so after every class we just ensure that there should be a clear tangible outcome that what that what the child learned in that particular class and we will be very transparent and we'll communicate that to the parent after each and every class that this is the concept which was taught and this is what the learning outcome is and this is the assignment and this is the homework so everything has to be very straightforward and even transparent with the parent how do you measure if that learning outcome was actually delivered or not like you're not sitting in the class with the teacher yeah so we we also have frequent every class is followed by some assignment and if the child does the assignment we understand that whether he is able to navigate through the concept or not so it is not that we teach and we claim that we have taught well it's there is a feedback loop which which is there the assignment was, would be gamified so that kids are motivated to do those assignments yeah so the, the gamification angle has to be in each and every aspect you have to make sure that the child is curious about about uh, about the subject matter and if they are curious they will be able to navigate through the concept they will be able to learn so curiosity has to be in the center stage and for curiosity you have to make it like gamified and make it entertaining but ultimately if they are alert and attentive and curious they will be able to learn they have immense power immense talent so that is one on the teacher side i think the way we treat our teachers is not very transactional we day one we believe that if teachers are excited about what they are doing in the class that is going to be the superpower for our success and for that we need to have a sense of community feeling in the teachers they need to believe that they are part of a university which is wherein they are a faculty member rather than rather than getting a feeling that they are a they are a contractual staff in a company and i think that comes with a very inherent belief that we feel that success of brightchamps is pretty much ingrained in the success of our teachers and day one when we started building the academy part we always said that we are building the biggest university which ever existed on the internet and you are going to be part of that and each and every class it each and every child is special and important so we need to be very careful about uh, every experience we have we are delivering in different classes so even if a teacher is knowledgeable and if he or she is not very excited about taking that particular class the class experience can be below average right so it is not about the just the knowledge quotient of the teacher it is also about the excitement factor it is also about with how much passion he or she is delivering the class into the class so we made sure that they belong there they connect with what they are doing and there is a growth path for every teacher so the feeling the feeling of a community was very important and we worked on that from day one rather than treating them very transactionally like a like a gig uh, worker like some like a gig worker who does the work and completes and gets some payment so we don't uh, see it that way right? i think teaching is a very profound very respectable uh, sort of profession and we have we take a lot of pride and lot of glory in terms of saying that we have built one of the most engaged community of teachers across the world in different cultures If you like to hear stories of founders then we have tons of great stories from entrepreneurs who have built billion dollar businesses just search for the founder thesis podcast on any audio streaming app like Spotify Ghana Apple Podcasts and subscribe to the show
how did you do that and how do you give them a career like they're not on payroll right they are at the end of the day still getting paid per hour like a gig worker would so how did you show them growth path or make them more deeply engaged beyond just taking it as gig work yeah so we don't treat teachers as somebody who is just taking the classes and completing hours with us i think what we we have thousands of people across different countries and what we believe that apart from teaching every one of them has unique potential some of them would be very good in terms of managing operations some of them would have would be very good in writing content or let's say or let's say hiring or let's say quality evaluation so what i'm trying to say is that you need to unleash their potential right you know they are a human being they are not just supposed to do one type of work so what we have created is that we have created a community wherein we do the curation of people in that community based their potential apart from teaching they also end up doing a number of other things that's one and second is that there is a very technology led reward and recognition which is basically we we ensure that each and every one of them is getting the right feedback in terms of how do they how can they do better right it's a very it's a very it's not a single line answer from my side but it's a very deep involved work which has to be done to ensure that they are taken care from multiple side and once they find that the company is not treating them just normal teaching a staff but they are also trying to create a win win situation around various other things which they are capable of doing then that becomes deeper connect and they feel that both in terms of earning and learning and belonging in a good environment wherein they are feeling happy and elevated that becomes the region of a stickiness for them so i i think it's a tough task to achieve it's not like one item you do and they it gets addressed but wherever we see such kind of opportunity i can only say you directionally how we think right and how we treat them right and if you do it do that with regular sort of effort from your side most of them will start believing it uh, that the company truly believes that their success is company success and then ultimately that creates a flywheel effect in the learning experience in the classroom does the student pay for x number of hours of teaching or does the student pay for a certain learning outcome which includes x number of hours of teaching and some platform experiences like what is the package like for so a student pays for so it's not a hourly treatment with the student it's about pay for uh, most of the parents they don't uh, understand they don't have their direct exposure around various things of technology right so they you need to do you need to help them in terms of what the child should learn so we take the trial class and we also counsel them in terms of what should be the right combination of things we have a standard uh, solutions where we say that if we should start from there and you should uh, do this modules but then we also have the provision of customized curriculum which is after three four classes we we get to know that the child is like this and his interest area is this and he has already learned these things so there is a customized curriculum for every child which we provide uh, so there is we don't want to we don't want to as they say that if henry ford would have asked people that what do you want they would have said a stronger horse rather than car so we don't want to leave that burden to the customer saying that what you what do you want your t- child to learn being an academic institute being a netech company it's our responsibility to guide them in terms of what they should go through and if later on after three four classes if we get to know that there is some customization required then we provide them a customized curriculum from our side 
how do you do that at scale this figuring out customization is required and then customizing it and is there like a owner for each student which is one of your like the, the teachers they own the student and then they decide okay customization is needed or is it tech decision like d- driven by tech and analytics or like how, how does it happen mostly it is technology so what happens that each and every class is followed by a feedback from the teacher and that feedback gets added to a common system and then based on that we have different learning paths designed for various type of students and then we find the technology figures out the proximity that this child is having this kind of interests and this kind of knowledge already so the best matching learning path will be this right the customization happens customized curriculum is a technology generated you can say intelligent system which generates that <laughs> but but if, if but it is also based basis the feedback which is provided by after every class by the teacher so there are certain things which we mandate to the teacher that after every class you have to provide this kind of information about the child and that happens not only in the first four five classes that happens for each and every class throughout the year so that we keep on grabbing the signals in terms of what is happening with the child and and so that is the signal received in the system by the teacher and then on the other side uh, students also submit their assignment and do some interaction with the platform so that is the signal we receive from the student side combining together we get to know that whether the progress is adequate or not and how are teachers and children matched is it again algorithmically like you you collect Mostly data points about it we have an oxo engine we call it internally which is the matching engine and we have a lot of signals right like for example if a trial class is happening by a grade 3 a student in the coastal region of indonesia who browses the internet in bahasa language and and, and so these are the signals and we grab it oxo engine figures out that which is the best matching teacher to take the class of this particular child and out of thousands of teachers of different ethnicity different culture the engine basically recommends the best fit and the assignment of the class happens like that so this is a very initially it was very crude now we have got gotten into a very sophisticated mode of the oxo engine which is supply demand matching at a global level and there are prediction engines for example we know that at this particular hour in a given country let's say in middle east if there are so many trial class interests happening maybe the turn up will not be as good as it's as generally it happens because this is the namaz time in that particular country so what i'm trying to say is that all those signals are very predictably done by the system itself because it's very it's almost impossible to gain insight and knowledge about each and every country and assist that in into the system but system auto corrects and auto evolves basis the outcome which they are picked for so we have technology dealing with all those things but most importantly this as i said that we have three lenses of building our product roadmap one is for the pain points of the customer second is for being a more efficient economic engine and third is about adding new life skill verticals so will the student have different packages then like they can choose a like a teacher led package or they can choose a self learning gamified package or is it going to get bundled into one single product it will be mostly we don't want to confuse the customer right or the students so it will be bundled and if there are few things we know we would like to give them as free also because we want as many people to go through it as possible so it is not that if you ask a parent whether you want your child to self learn or teacher led learning and whatever like they will get confused so it is more about 
it is more about bundling them together in a relevant way and then and then providing that to the market mm, you got it got it. so so your philosophy is somewhat like apple you don't want to have too many options for people to get confused you want to curate the options and present them with what will solve their use case basically yeah and it, and i am a strong believer of that reason being that i don't think any educational institute say that if you have to learn physics which chapter do you want to learn you pick yourself there is a guided there is a natural way of learning concepts in a sequence otherwise it will become very haphazard so i believe that they should take the decision that how much they want to spend and for how long they want to get engaged but after that decision what exactly you are going to teach in what format right most of it should be owned by the educational institute rather than the parent because you are the subject matter expert and there is a better outcome for the child so that is why we are building and crafting these experiences and what do these looks like do they look like the typical games or what are these experiences like give me an example if you can paint a picture yeah, so, with words yeah so there some of them are like real games right some of them are like if you are asking about self learning platform some of them are like semi mode wherein there is some content which you have to consume in video or game format and after that there will be some doubt doubt solving sessions and so it's it's a hybrid model so one by one so what i'm trying to say i don't want to pass on this notion that this is exactly only way of doing it right there are multiple ways so you are dealing with a child who is generally not fixated on the solution side he's just curious and you can engage him or her in various ways and we are trying we are trying a number of techniques and i think our experiment suggests that games are definitely one exciting way of engaging the child but uh, but beyond a point it reduces that span and uh, so you have to have a you have to have a some goal and some game and some milestone and some sort of supervision semi supervision so all these things combined together you can actually lead to a optimal outcome if i just ask like a coursera like treatment for a child it will not work because they are not like goal oriented people they are like they are living in now they are living in the present and they are just thinking about what will happen in the present so i think it's a mix of many things fingers crossed i am very excited about what one what has happened so far in bright jumps and what we are building for the future as far as the experience for our users are concerned i think it's a very exciting thing but you're selling on a per hour basis or is it like a package cost like you you buy this it's package a pack for cost the... it's a package cost yeah. but i was just giving you a sense in terms of per class price yeah. so what would be a package for dubai and uh, It, so like you know the smallest the smallest, smallest course which is the accelerator course mm-hmm. is uh, is like 3 and 1/2 months and mm-hmm. uh, and the price for that will be close to 25000 rupees okay and this would not really depend on hours because you can have more gamified experiences in it and whatever so the hours is not really linked to the package pricing we guarantee that you know, there will be 30 uh, minimum 30 sessions in that particular course right yeah so that number of teacher hours remains the same irrespective of what gamification you add on those are like value adds for student success yeah. okay 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 got it got it got it and how will you bring down the price for india what's the strategy there like how will you create a mass market product for india yeah i think you need to have very strong technology for that you need to have a platform wherein you you provide a classroom experience at a mass level at the same time you have the personalization being taken care at a at an equal to one level for every student it, it is a deep uh, learning platform experience we have done a few experiments already and i think it is possible it, so if you truly ask me if you, even if you degrade the so compared to one is to one learning experience wherein the child has to pay let's say 10 dollar a class if you degrade the experience by let's say 10% 
and reduce the price by let's say let's say uh, 75% right then i think that will be the point of time when i think the mbb for, for india will be ready and and that requires various analytics and various uh, sort of uh, integration of uh, capturing of user behavior from both the sides teacher and student and providing a tech led response rather than people led response in the learning platform so it's a it's a it's a tough uphill task to achieve but i think those are the things i enjoy the most and and we are on it when you launched in middle east your teachers were from india or like where did you source the teachers from initially it was from india but now we have mm. teachers from more than 10 countries so you, you, right now you're a teacher neutral teacher can come from any country you your algorithm will match them to the students so if that teacher is in demand then she will get more hours uh, or if that algorithm is unable to match her then she will not get those many hours yeah so it's not that anybody can join us we basically bring the teacher ourselves we train them we help them understand the entire system and provide a quality learning experience it's not that it's not a free open marketplace right Um, yeah so it is like a managed marketplace wherein the quality notion is owned by the platform right so if anything goes off as far as the experience of the customer is concerned we are the we are responsible right and we take a lot of pride in in, in taking that responsibility but uh, what i'm trying to say is that it's not a it's a multivariate problem so now we have in the system on the supply side we have like people from different country different language different culture different different type of knowledge right we have teachers we have hundreds of teachers teaching financial literacy right? who are generally the chartered accountant or finance mba graduates we have teachers who can teach technology we have teachers who can speak in bahasa who can speak in arabic who can speak in french so it's a it's a, the engine has improved to a level where in the supply demand matching is happening at a sophisticated level but then more importantly what i'm trying to say is that we don't invite any random person to be a teacher in bright champs it has to be well curated by us and trained by us only if they qualify our in entrance criteria then only they can get into the system and how do you source teachers because like my wife is a teacher and so i've been around teachers for the last 10 12 years the teachers are typically risk averse most teachers in my wife's circle would never really be comfortable doing a gig job where they don't get fixed salary and all that so, so how did you overcome that challenge i think you need to provide a lot of evidence that why should they not believe like that by default they will believe like that i understand your point but then anybody who has spent like 2 3 months in bright jumps they get to know that what's the style of dealing with teachers in bright jumps right and the moment they get a taste of being in a community being not only utilized for teaching but also various other important things which is important for the organization they think that it's about unleashing their true potential rather than just using them as a gig worker so i think a lot of teachers get sourced using referral using because because people who are already in they know the experience and they bring in other people so that is one and second is that we also reach out to people in the market and we have a strong filtering criteria in terms of hiring and and that is another source but what i'm trying to say is that the, till the time somebody has not seen the ecosystem of bright chance they will believe the other way because most of the other company treated them treat them that way but once they come they get to know that the style and approach is different and of course i'm not claiming that we have done every bit which we could have done there are so many things which are there in the plan and additional things which we are doing for the teacher 
success. And it's, it's an ever-growing process, but I think the approach is very different. We don't just use them as a, like an hourly workers. We treat them as a teacher. We respect them as a teacher and we utilize not only for teaching, but various mm-hmm. other things. So you would probably have some sort of landing page for teachers as well, where you would have testimonials of other teachers for their trust building and things like that, yeah. I'm guessing. Yeah, we have a Bright Gems community uh, platforms for teachers wherein they can connect with each other. There is a whole lot of facilities on using tech for the teach- teacher uh, side of things. Okay. Tell me about your customer acquisition channels. What is the split? Of you, How many leads come from SEO-based organic? How many leads come from performance marketing? How many are coming from word of mouth? Yeah, so I, rather than, I'm not sure, rather than just talking in terms of number, because numbers keep on changing in different countries in different months. I think we had started with a lot of reliance upon performance marketing. That channel, is, of course, even right now is a prominent channel, but, uh, but uh, like affiliate and referral and uh, organic leads have uh, started contributing more. On the non-performance marketing side, we have close to 35% contribution on the non-performance side, and we have started focusing strongly on the SEO, YouTube, and all those pieces. So we are looking forward to have 50% contribution from the non-performance side. In, in just uh, yeah, And we are very close to that. I think we may cross that particular number. Uh, how much does what is your customer acquisition cost on an average yeah i it, again it depends upon different country it is different for us it is different for southeast asia we generally have a mindset that more than worrying about uh, the customer acquisition cost worry about TV by cac ratio and optimize on that and the whole point is that even if the cac is low and the engagement duration is low then there is no fun if the CAC is low and LTV is high, then it's awesome. If the CAC is high and the child is getting engaged for three years rather than one year, then also it doesn't, it is not very bad. Right? So we, our plan is more about how do we improve the engagement level of the child so that the child, when we had started, when we had launched Bright Champs, it was more about the average engagement duration of the child by five, was five to six months, right? Now that has gone close to a year. And we have a we have entire roadmap that how do we engage with the child on an average more than close to two years. So we have to increase that by 100%. And the more you engage that, you know, the better is the outcome. So what I'm trying to say is that CAC in isolation is not a very healthy metric to see. Of course, that has to be as low as possible. But what you have to see is that if you are acquiring and engaging the child for a relevant uh, longer duration, then the increase in CAC is not going to bite you hard. So you have to see that where, for me, LTV by CAC ratio is an important piece. And right? what is that, and like the LTV by so CAC we, ratio? We had started with close to three and we have we have now planned to reach to close to five. And and the idea is that we, I'm just talking about one course, but when we start doing cross-selling and many other things, I think it will, it will lead to a much better outcome, which is already happening, like financial literacy. A lot of people who are taking the technology courses, they are landing into financial literacy course. So LTV increases for the child, right? So your plan to make a two-year engagement, that is by cross-selling other courses or just like the technology literacy itself becoming a a two-year engagement? Both ways. So I think a child who is in grade four has taken some course and he... Uh, that doesn't mean that he has expert. He has become expert in everything related to technology. There, there is, there are excited. So once the child has developed some interest for something, can we provide a specialization course in that particular area? So that is one. And second is that cross-selling around 
if the child finds that the other aspects, it's not only about, I, I keep on saying that we are a platform synonym to high quality education around important life skills, not only technology. So if that is the case that we provide to, uh, we try to provide the exposure on various other things also, the child is interested. Then, then of course the engagement level accordingly improves. Okay, and uh, tell me about the organization building for Bright Chance. Like, obviously, technology is something which you could lead, but uh, what about like an academics? Did you need to bring on an academician in the early days, or tell me about that journey of building the leadership out? And yeah, I think we. I was very fortunate and lucky in terms of having few initial folks who came with a very similar mindset with a lot of passion and ownership, right? And those guys were mostly like very high in energy, second time entrepreneur. And they knew from day one that what it takes to build a scalable organization. So I, I can tell you that if you can check our Glassdoor rating, you will find that we are the best in the class amongst all the tech companies. We didn't have a de- any designated people function or HR function for quite some time, but we are culturally so much together. There is a common belief in the company that a superstar team is better than a team of superstars. And and we've all worked together. So that way, I think the first top 30, 40 people in the in Bright Champs, they, they, we had an unfair advantage in terms of bringing them in at the right time. And company got a much better traction. Ultimately, your outcome is dependent upon the kind of people you have in the company. Culturally, I feel that a lot of people we strongly believe in the purpose that we are here not to build a company which is just for valuation or just for some sort of number, but we are here to build a company which is long-term iconic company, which is known for its its purpose for which we had started. And for that, it is important that, so like every statement, every communication on our Slack channel, be it through up by us or through, through various other boards, we keep on saying that. We are committed to become the best at tech company in the world. So what I'm trying to say is that there is a lot of a lot of common connect and a lot of a lot of passion at at that level. And I was just lucky. If you ask me a formula that how did that happen, I don't know what's the formula. It's just that maybe God blessed us with the right set of people. That's one. And then the second thing is that we define our cultural values very clearly. And we keep on saying that we believe in meritocracy. We believe in PPP, which is people, product and profit in the same order of priority. We believe in bias for action, right? We believe in high ownership. Those things we have repeatedly communicated and inculcated that uh, in every walk of life. And that has become the core DNA of the company. We had no other way. There was no other way of growing the company. As I said to you earlier that we were growing organically. We had no external source of funding. So we, we could only grow more compared to other funded uh, setups because of our passion and because of uh, our better experience which we are providing in the, in the market otherwise we, we had no chance to win just by money so we solved the problem using passion and using high ownership and using customer centricity right and that i think has become the core dna of the company it's easier said than done but i find that you know there was a bit of a strategy there was a bit of deliberation there was a bit of luck all combined together yeah okay but what does the headcount consist of the on payroll how many are like say doing sales how many are in academics how many are in tech and so on yeah so we have close to uh, as of now so these counts are changing very rapidly right because we are acquiring companies so what i'm trying to say these numbers are dynamic but as of now we have close to 225 people and significant number of uh, payroll cost and headcount is in product technology 
design marketing and content and 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 there there are other functions also there are like important functions wherein they are also very important to have a better long term sustainable business things like people function things like finance and so everywhere where we have invested but, uh, but uh, we are not a company wherein how do i say it even if you are curious to know that is it like to achieve this kind of level of success do we have 500 people working in the sales department is like sales heavy i think we call, we, we call it counseling team not sales team the counseling team is there but we 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 reached to that level of uh, growth with the, with with the close to 100 people and while while many other places it's to achieve the same level of growth people have gone to 700 800000 level of headcount so we have tried to optimize wherever possible using technology and that is the thesis that is the approach we follow everywhere yeah so it's not a very high touch sales you're trying to have more self checkout happening yeah mostly like many of the country sales don't have and most of the company they don't have any direct access to the customer they can't even call them tell me about the acquisition strategy yeah so inorganic growth is a very important important piece of growth for bright champs i think we are sweetly positioned as a company in a stage we are rightly we are growing fast and there is a significant headroom for us to grow further so any operator any founder or any setup where they feel that we can become better together right they are most welcome at bright champs right the approach which we are taking is that either we are acquiring company who which can give us head start in launching a new vertical related to any important life skill across the world mm-hmm. or like, like financial literacy like robotics or communication anything but which basically aligns with our vision or theme of the company or the second is that we are keen to acquire companies which are product led distribution engine which can give us unfair advantage in terms of building a strong distribution layer using product or platform so that is the second type of which, what do you mean by this can you give an example product led for example engine. for example if there is a platform in a country which is a gaming platform where in kids are coming and signing up to play that game which is a educational game right? that gives us a lot of user acquisition top of the funnel right so the companies which can give us a distribution uh, runway that is also a very important thing or third one is that uh, companies which can give us more deeper penetration in a given market like for example we are growing very fast in indonesia so any company which is can give us access to a schools or partnership with the local players over there those kind of setups are also welcome so either so this would be like an offline coaching center uh, or like what would this third type be give me an example not necessarily offline there could be like there could be a company in, in, in let's say indonesia they understand their school ecosystem and they are doing it like maybe online offline way but uh, but they could only they are finding it struggling beyond a point their local knowledge and our aspirations combined together we can have a better runway a better interest in the country so that kind of opportunity also we are mm. open for mm. okay okay got it would you ever look at expanding beyond this core of life skills for k12 like for example say test preparation and there are so many lucrative areas in the tech market would those come into play not short term obviously but i'm asking like a long term question yeah long term anything is possible but short term a couple of years i want to be focused on what we are doing and as i told you that our approach is not that we are chasing revenue we are not acquiring people to add revenue we are not acquiring company to add revenue we are acquiring companies to solve relevant problems so what i'm trying to say is foreseeable future we want to remain focused and we want to be known as a platform which is synonymous to high quality education around important life skills so after we reach to a certain stage after that if of course you need to 
recalibrate your aspiration and accordingly navigate the market so it's not that i'm never saying that we will never ever enter into those things so those are also very interesting areas but not for near future yeah, and what about something like say language say in indonesia i'm sure kids would benefit from learning spoken english as a way to open up global careers and yeah. all would that be and that a... aligns with our theme and hence we will do mm. that mm. that would yeah. be again best done through an acquisition because there are a lot of very mature companies in this language space yeah so we evaluate basis how much head start we are getting and what's the stage of what kind of founders are there are they like minded people and multiple fab factors but if we get a interesting uh, proposition we are definitely open and we are already doing some acquisition in that line right uh, in few of the countries and uh, the announcement is going to happen very soon mm-hmm. okay okay got it got it and uh, when do you think you will need to raise the next round of funding see i think that's least of worry for brightchamps as of now because we have been growing organically the you mentioned 63 million dollar we have not even even if i consider everything given that we are in ad tech business where in people pay up front we have hardly used any money which we have used which we have raised so far but if we go very strong and very fast on the inorganic acquisition side we may end up raising i think the scenario will become very clear in in couple of months time i think we will have a much better clarity on the inorganic path for the organic growth we don't need money as of now we have like many years of runway already lying in the bank and 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 only when if we go very strong on inorganic we may end up raising so it so the answer is it depends yeah okay but the core product is profitable that say 25000 you are charging from a child there would be some like reasonable amount of cash flow left over after paying for cost of acquisition cost of teacher yeah so like we so mostly all across the journey we have been mostly a bit a positive you are also like an active angel investor so what is the thesis that you have what is your as an investor yeah i think again i have been fortunate to be in a network because most of my life i have been a tech guy so i was blessed to have a network of people who are very passionate about technology and doing and they are doing interesting things in different verticals my thesis of angel investment is to one is i only do investment in those areas which i understand so i don't do uh, investments in unknown territories there's there could be a number of interesting things in the world happening but if i don't understand it i don't get into it so that if i am doing an angel investment i should be able to help the founder or the company in a relevant way if there is a need so that is one and that is why my most of my investment had been around either edtech or or crypto which is a very interesting and fascinating area i i i personally follow and read and learn about that particular world a lot or fintech but something which is completely beyond my my awareness and knowledge arena i generally don't get into that the second thing is that i it's also a vehicle of learning for myself because you get to get in touch with a lot of founders who are high in energy doing interesting things uh, that also helps you evolve as a person and you know, think in a in a non conventional way and these are the people who are creating and building the future so my motivation is to one uh, invest in relevant areas wherein i can add value personally to the founder and the company and also in return learn few things from them and, uh, and uh, so far it has been a very exciting journey on the agile investment side also given that i had a network always a lot of interesting people they come with very interesting ideas and i i get thrilled 
when I hear that so many interesting things are now it is happening in India. So that is the approach, Akshay. If you like the Founder Thesis podcast, then do check out our other shows on subjects like marketing, technology, career advice, books, and drama. Visit the podium dot in that is t h e p o d i u n dot i n for a complete list of all our shows.